Hey, you guys. This week is a rare replay episode. Um, I, I try to think if I've ever done this. Maybe once or twice. I don't know. It's very, very seldom. But I wanted to bring back, I wanted to blow the dust off of one of the James Gunn episodes. He's been on my show twice. The first time was February 8th. No, sorry. The second time was February 8th, 2015. And the first time was March 25th, 2012. It was the fifth episode ever of the show in its podcast form. Allison Rosen is your new best friend existed prior to being a podcast as a streaming internet show sometime before that. But as a podcast, it was episode number five. I like James Gunn a lot. Um, I, I like him personally. I, I respect him professionally. And I think his firing was total bullshit. And especially Guardians of the Galaxy is a project that is so personal to him. It's crazy to me that they pulled him off of it. He talks a lot about that on the the second time he was on my show, The Return. And in fact, that episode got about a bunch of press because he revealed some stuff about Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So initially, I thought that's the one that I was going to replay. But then I thought, why not take it all the way back? Let's do that super long time ago historical episode. Um which when I went back and listened was amusing to me just to hear how much my show has changed. First of all, my voice sounds different. I don't know if you guys will think that as well. I think that my opening greeting is a little bit different. Uh, I mean, there could be a number of things to account for my voice sounding different. But yeah, and my cadences, it's just, it's just kind of a different show at that point. At the beginning, it was I thought that I was going to focus on relationships and dating. And I remember James Gunn saying to me that the show felt like love line times a thousand. So a lot of talk of relationships, relationship patterns, um, that kind of stuff. We even took calls. We didn't do just me or everyone because that was not yet an every episode thing. And yeah. Oh, and also you can hear me talk about a relationship that I'm in. And then I say that, you know, who knows though, next time you see me, I might say, Hey, then I'm, I might say that I'm single. And that relationship is, I had just started seeing Daniel at the time. Who's now my husband and the man with whom I am having another child. I'm pregnant. That's why I'm a little out of breath right now. Though it feels really early in my pregnancy for me already to be out of breath. But, uh, that's just what's going on. So here's the episode. As I said, it originally aired March 25th, 2012. I feel like I had more things to tell you about the episode. Bear with me while I breathe heavily into the microphone and think, is there anything? Oh, oh, well, James Gunn mentioned, he talks about his projects. And then he says that there's like a new movie in the works. And that was Guardians of the Galaxy. He doesn't name it. But but there's a couple times that he talks about like a new movie project that's kind of in the works. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also want to remind you that I have a book out, Tropical Attire Encouraged and Other Phrases That Scare Me. You can get that at an array of places. I recommend just going to alisonrosen.com. That's my website, just one L in my name because my mom wanted to uh, make me have to say just one L in my name always. alisonrosen.com. There's a variety of different places you can click. It's very clear when you get there. It'll take you right to Amazon where you can buy the book. It's available in all formats. Here's the episode. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I got... I got to talk... (laughs) But first... I have to talk to you guys about Beachbody On Demand. Beachbody On Demand is an easy-to-use streaming service that gives you instant access to a wide variety of super effective workouts you can do from the comfort of your living room 24-7. You might be familiar with uh, some of the 
more famous Beachbody programs, P90X, Insanity, Pio. Uh, back in the olden times, if you wanted to do something like P90X, which I did because uh, my husband had P90X, so and I borrowed all the DVDs. It was like a stack. You had to, you had to borrow or buy or tote around, what have you, a stack of DVDs. You had to have access to a DVD player. Well, no more. Now it streams. It's super convenient. Um, you get access to all these different programs. There's a bunch of celebrity super trainers like Sean T, Shailene Johnson, Tony Horton, and Autumn Calabrese. Autumn Calabrese is the one who led the program that I used to do when I was pregnant with my my first son. That sounds weird to me. During my first pregnancy, what I'm trying to say is there's a program available on Beachbody On Demand called Active Maternity, and it depends on what trimester you're in. They have different programs for different trimesters. It is very hard. They do not go easy on you just because you're pregnant. So I did that some of the time that I was pregnant with Elliot, and now I'm like, I've got to get back into that. However, given that I'm out of breath just talking into a microphone... I find the uh, I find it daunting. I might have to do one of these shorter workouts, and that's the thing that's awesome about them is they have workouts as short as ten minutes that don't require extra equipment. So in the time it takes you to drive and park at the gym, you could be finished working out. Hundreds of effective workouts, ranging from bodybuilding to weight training to cardio, hit to yoga, and even dance workouts. I really want you guys to try this service. It'll change the way you work out. Right now, my listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text Allison to thirty thirty thirty. You'll get full access to the entire platform for free all the workouts, the nutrition information and support, totally free. Just text Allison to 303030. Again, that's Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N to 303030. All right, here is the episode. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, Hi, everyone. Hey, hello. It's me, Allison Rosen, and welcome to the fifth episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm happy to be here. I hope you're happy to be listening to this. My guest today is James Gunn, writer, hey. director, actor, producer. Are you a producer? Yeah, I guess I'm a producer. You yeah. Produce. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cat rescuer. I'm a cat rescuer as of yesterday. Yeah, 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 That which is great, which is great. But, you know, I really like your theme song. Thank you and very I, much. I, I wish it was like back in the 70s when, when theme songs used to be able to become actual top 40 songs, like how Happy Days and Welcome Back, Cotter were top 40 songs. I know. And then maybe your theme song would have a chance. But I think in today's atmosphere, it's, 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 it's fucked. I know. It's just going to know this show and it's never going to go beyond it. And I'm, I don't mean to be negative or anything like that, but that's my fear. Thanks for bringing just me Just being down. honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. It will go beyond this show because it will sit in between your ears for weeks. Yeah, I know. Weeks on end. Yeah. People have been tweeting me about that, and um, I choose to think they mean it in a positive way, even though I know that they don't, because I can tell, because yeah, I, they say I, things like, and I hate you because of that. I might have to get an MP3 of it, though, and play it in my car. Done and done. Cool. So anyway, uh, I... So, okay, when you hear this, the show will have been uh you know going on and been on itunes for a while but as we're recording this this is the it's in the past i know i'm letting that i know we're in the past right now i'm letting them behind the curtain but i want to tell them 
that uh, this is the first week that the show has premiered. Yeah. And the response has been really good. That's what I heard. I heard it's huge. I heard it's yes, number one on we're iTunes. number and... one on the comedy charts on iTunes. That's and awesome. we've been there ever since, since before the show even came out because I was uh, record or, you know, releasing these little sort of announcements about the show so mm-hmm. people could subscribe before it even started. And we were or are, I'm not sure, number one on the main iTunes charts, except I kept. I keep being bumped to number two because this American life is, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. They're a bunch of pieces of shit. Thank you. (laughs) Gary is enjoying (laughs) that. (laughs) (laughs) But so anyway, um, I wanted to read a bit of an email that I received last night from a woman who's, I'm not going to say her name, but she's 25. And she says, this is part of the email. I'm writing to you just to tell you that your comment about using people as a drug or an escape resonated with me at a really vulnerable time. I was in a relationship that was so unhealthy and so sick. The cycle of the push and pull between us and the high I would experience when I was able to get him back, followed shortly by the sinking feeling that everything about us was wrong, is one that I've experienced over and over for the past few months. However, this cycle gives me a focus and a purpose that I'm not finding in my everyday life. I'm envious of you, though, because it seems as though you have found your niche. It's like I couldn't decide if I wanted to say niche or niche. Yeah, we well, can so say I, either. I, I went in between, but I said niche, I, which I, is neither. It came out as niche. Oh, it did? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, like I would have never Then we noticed. don't have to throw the show away yeah. and we can continue. I saw, I, they can't see your face. <laughs> I saw in your face where there was like a moment where you were like, what am I going to say? Yeah. That was not even what am a, I gonna... a millisecond. Oh, phew. Yeah. You're the wind beneath my wings yeah. already. <laughs> I am a, so, so going back to the email, I'm afraid of so many things and I don't want to be afraid. I want to go out and really live and do what's right for me and what makes me happy. Um, okay, I'm skipping over the next part because it's really uh, about how wonderful I am and I feel like if I read it, then it'll just make me sound like me more it? of an asshole. <laughs> no, it's a, uh, kind of. No, it's okay. Um, let's see. Uh, 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 uh. Okay. Listening to you talk about drinking too much, chasing a feeling or or a guy, being open about your childhood. These are things that I can relate to in such deep ways that I found myself re-listening to certain podcasts just because it's like, yeah, okay, this feeling or action isn't totally insane. Or maybe it is, but I'm not the first psycho to do it and I probably won't be the last. Um, so this thing has been happening. This is me talking again. Now, this thing has been happening to me where people write to me and tell me that they relate to me. And then I relate so strongly to what they're saying uh, about relating to me that I don't know if it's narcissistic and I'm relating to myself via them or if I'm relating to them. But anyway, a lot of relating. It's like a conversation. I mean, some you, they, you say something, they say something. I don't think it's narcissistic. You're relating to them. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. But my raising that question was narcissistic. I know. I really like the way this is going. (laughs) I'm not meeting resistance anywhere. (laughs) Um, But but here's the thing, though. And I did, but that that was sort of a preface to saying I could relate so strongly to what she's saying in this email because I have had those patterns. And especially the part where she said, however, this cycle gives me a focus and a purpose that I'm not finding in my everyday life. Like, I can definitely remember rationalizing bad relationships that way like that whole thing because it seems like she's very aware of what she's doing and she's aware that this relationship like i feel like if someone can describe a relationship this way then i can confidently say there's nothing good for you left in that relationship yes don't you agree oh absolutely yeah I, i when i i got uh you know divorced a few years ago and about let's see nine months after i got divorced i became involved in a relationship with somebody that was 
it, it was sort of amazing, mm-hmm. <laughs> really, initially, because I fell in love. It was one of those love at first sight things, and I felt this kind of love that I maybe, maybe only felt one other time in my life, you know, back when I was 22 over some girl who I'm probably still not over in certain ways. You, you didn't feel that with your, the one that, the wife? The no, no, wife. I didn't. I really was connected to Jenna, and, and you know, today, Jenna, my, my ex-wife, uh, Jenna and I are still very, very close friends, and I think in some ways we misinterpreted a really close friendship bond as love. Right. And we were crazy, too. We had a lot of crazy... I, all my relationships are crazy, but oh, this one in particular was uh, because she was, in, she was engaged to be married to somebody else. Uh. And, um, and I thought she was going to break up with him, and she didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if I had been healthy, I would have been like, listen, you know, I have these, I, you know, I, I have these feelings for you. Um, and then just walked away, and when you're ready, you come to me. But instead, it became we became involved with each other, and it, it was uh, you know I was kind of like the other woman, mm-hmm. and I was in this push and pull situation where I was completely in love with her, and she was living someplace else and coming back here, and I was compl- when I was around her, I was like the happiest I'd ever been in my life. It yes. was like taking heroin, right? Completely happy, and every I mean literally every minute that I wasn't with her. I was miserable. Mm-hmm. I've never been like that before in my life. Of course, always, you know, love can be like that where you're sad when you're not with them or nervous when you're not with them. And then you're, when you're with them, it's great. But this was to such an extreme right. extent that it was completely messed up on my part. And um, I think it was, a, you know, partially a, a rebound from being married and a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, but, but for me, it was, it was uh, self-abusive. Um, How and, long did that go on? Uh, let's see. I think it, it it went on very, very heavily for like three or four months, mm-hmm. you know. And the, the interesting thing was it was really quite, quite miserable during that time. But the minute I ended it, the moment I ended it and said, I'm walking away, I can't take this anymore. Um, and even in that, like I left the door completely open. I, I, I wrote her, you know, this long message saying I can't take it anymore and, you know, I need to walk away. And, you know, when you're ready, you know, come back to me. Still like in that moment thinking that I was going to, be ready for her to come back. Mm-hmm. But the minute I let go of it, I really let go of it. I was done, you know. I met somebody like four days later and started dating her and we had a decent relationship and it was not crazy at all. And, um, and it, the weird thing is the minute we broke up, I was that girl had broken up with her. We've, we've dated twice since then. The one who originally was engaged to someone else. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, um, and I really love her, by the way. So, like, I'm really afraid now she's going to to, to listen to this. I really love her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's an amazing, amazing person. She's a beautiful person. Uh, but we were on the wrong track somehow. And, and the, the other two times we dated, it was it, it didn't work then. And that was when we were both available. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's sometimes something innately about a relationship. The mechanics of I was telling somebody this the other day. The mechanics of a relationship. It was somebody who was like in a relationship with somebody who was uh, abusive towards her. Not physically abusive, but like mentally abusive. Right. Like he'd call her names and like, I just don't, I, I don't put up with that stuff at all. And I, I think that the mechanics of a relationship that you're in, when you first meet that person, the basic mechanics of it are almost impossible to change. Mm-hmm. Like almost impossible. And so you can make mistakes and do bad things. But if the, if, if you have, if you're, you know, 
treat somebody poorly, and that's a putting down somebody else as a part of that relationship. Right. Or in the case with me and this girl, this push and pull thing with both of us where we're available but we're not available, and everything is like this French romantic ideal <laughs> of love, you know, right. like madness and craziness and all that. That is what our relationship is, and it's almost impossible to get away from that. Yeah, I remember both the therapist, well, and actually I say what, what I want to say to the uh to the woman who emailed me is um, thank you for complimenting me on finding my niche. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it now. Yeah. My uh, niche. But all, all the stuff she said, like I j- will just know that I spent years in therapy working on breaking those patterns and it was hard. And uh, you know, I like I am in a healthy relationship now, but it took a long time for me to get to a place where I could recognize that and where I could do that. And also I have the caveat being I am in a healthy relationship now, but I have no idea what's going to happen next week. And I'll, for all I know, I'll be hosting this show and I'll be saying, and now I'm single again. So yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I think my last two relationships have been healthy, Mm -hmm. but they both ended. But I don't think that that's a bad thing. It's, no, it's, I don't either. You know, it's like maybe I just wasn't meant to be with those two people. My last right. girlfriend, I mean, I loved her dearly. She's like one of the greatest people I've ever known in my life. And I still love her probably more than anybody else in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, it, I wasn't totally comfortable in the relationship. I wasn't happy. And and, and we broke up. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean... It, we we served a purpose for each other, and we're both way better people for having dated with each, you know dating each other. Yeah, we learned a lot, and I became way more vulnerable with her than I ever was with anybody else. And I allowed somebody to comfort me for the first time and do things I had never done before with somebody. And I think that that was you know it, it was a great perfect relationship that worked on every level. Um, but that doesn't mean it has to last forever. And I think that's, right. I think that people too often look at relationships as something that when you break up with with people that means it was a failure Mm -hmm. you know but that's god that's limiting right i know as much as we're talking about unhealthy relationships there also is that tendency to pathologize stuff that's just a matter of two people not being totally compatible yeah and that's another thing that i've said on this show before is that someone can break up with you and that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you right it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them either but there could be. But, I mean, if, if someone doesn't want you, that's about them and what they want, not about you. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes so. people feel like – I remember with my ex-wife, like she had a dad who would do everything for her. You know, like, not everything, but he would – her dad wasn't a very commu- – I'm a very communicative person. So mm-hmm. if I'm in a relationship with somebody and what they desire and how they feel loved is through communicating, I'm totally cool. I'm okay with it. But when it's like – uh, her dad would like do fixing up around the house and, you know, fill the mom's car with gas and do shit like that. I don't do anything like that. I mean, I really have done everything in my life to cut out any semblance of me having to do small, uh, insignificant tasks in my life. <laughs> and so if somebody isn't. Do you help people move? I bet you don't. Um, I did when I was younger, but I don't. No, I avoid it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I would give them money to help them move. Right. Like that, see, that's the thing. I've every, you know, I've avoided doing that in every way. <laughs> yes. In my life that I possibly could. And so I think that if somebody needs to feel loved by that, right. then I'm the wrong person to be with. Yeah. And that caused a lot of problems in our relationship. And it's a really simple thing. It's simply because her dad did little tasks around the house. And that's how she thinks she can be loved or feel comforted or whatever. I don't do it. Can she, 
she get outside of that though, or is that like that's just a part of her? I think she did get outside of it to a, to a, to a big extent, you know. Um, and you know, I think that I, you know, I have certain things. I'm. It's unfair that I'm talking about her, like what she needs. It's like I don't know. She's what coming I, in next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. You know, she's cool. But it's uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I think she did. We worked through a lot of that. You know, that mm-hmm. stuff got better. But it's, even still, it's hard. I mean, you're kind of built the way you're built. And right. if you can find somebody who does fit together with you well and you have the same sort of communication about what love is, what sex is, those types of things, you know, what does sex mean in your relationship? Like, that that's a big thing. If, mm-hmm. if you're on the same page with that stuff, I think it makes a big difference in how compatible and, you know, how long the relationship can last. Just hearing you say all that, though, just makes me remember and think about something that I think about and had spent a lot of time thinking about it often, which is like, God, it is just so hard to make all that stuff work. And when it works in a way at the beginning, it feels effortless. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I had a hard time with relationships for a long time. Yeah. And just relating to other people. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) I mean, I can't. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the, I mean, I've been through like, you know, I've had, I've had girlfriends since the time I was 12 years old and, you know, I still seem to, you know, I've gotten married. I've, I guess I've lived with four women over the years and, um, and, and and I can say the one good thing is I'm on good relation I'm good terms with almost everybody who I've broken up with you know and I'm I'm still friends with them so that's something is that by design for me yeah yeah because I if I spend a significant amount of well some people like my last girlfriend we just love each other I mean she just I feel completely tender towards her I have no anger towards her in anything in the relationship we never fought we never had anger with each other and it's just the way it is is we, this Mia? Mia, yeah. How yeah. long ago did you guys break up? We broke up six months ago. Okay. Six months so ago. So sort of fresh. Sort of fr- It is still fresh to me. To me, yeah. Because we were so connected, it feels mm-hmm. much fresher than usually. Like, I'm shocked. Like, usually by the time six months is up. You've like, had four more girlfriends? Yeah. And well, lived I'm, with three of them? I'm over it. Like, I, I honestly, I, I mean, to be completely honest, I usually break up with somebody. I don't even I don't even think about it ever again. I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, I may get a little bit of sadness occasionally, mm-hmm. but basically I just walk away and I don't have any any sort of sadness or mourning or anything. I thought it was something wrong with me, actually, when I talked to my friends and how they feel when they break up with somebody. Breaking up with me, it was not like that. It was, I had and have a lot of, you know, mourning and and sadness and, uh, you know, and missing her and and feeling, you know, love towards her. Um, Why did you break up, if I may, which I just did? Yeah, well, I I think, uh, (laughs) I think that I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I just wasn't. I mean, I think that there were some ways in which we were we were different um, about what we wanted, and in some ways, I just wasn't comfortable. And I think that's was uh, it your decision? Um, over we came to the decision together. However, I think that one of the reasons Mia came to the decision was because she was having a hard time living with me, being as sad as I was. Mm-hmm. So her land, she was. I mean, I think it's one of the great things about her, too, because so many girls that I've dated, you know, I'm like, I'm miserable. I don't like being in this relationship. And they're like, you should still be with me. You're screwing up because I'm the best thing you've ever had. Yes. And they don't want me to leave. And Mia wasn't like that. Mia was very, you know, objective about that aspect of it. And she's like, I can see that you are really sad. And because of that, you know, I, it's not working for me either because I can't sit around and watch you being sad and know you're being sad in the relationship. So that makes me sad. And um, and she didn't have this other part of her that was like holding on to it because mm-hmm. she had some idea of what love was. Uh, so so if you look at it that way, it was it was 
both of us. And why were you sad? Do I don't you know? know. I don't know. I get trapped. I get feeling trapped very easily. So I, I don't know. Were you sad in the relationship or sad in your life? In the relationship. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, I loved her. That was, a, that was a difficult thing. I, I loved her and was in love with her. But I also felt really trapped. And, um, and I don't know what that is. And, I, and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out if I'm a guy who just can't. I'm just one of those guys that's just never going to get married again or, you know, be in a, uh, you know, anything other than a short-term, you know, relationship and mm-hmm. be a serial monogamist who does that. Um, or, or maybe it's just something in the, in the women that I've been choosing in my life that there is something missing in terms of this long-term comfort that's possible for me mm-hmm. that I would like to have. I wish that I could have, but I just haven't met that person yet. Um, or, you know, that those are two, or if there's something in me that I need to get over and learn to deal with that I haven't learned to deal with yet. So, yeah. Is there, um, something that all the women that you're drawn to tend to have? Like, do you see, do you tend to go for a certain type repeatedly? Um, I, I think that I did up until my last two girlfriends. Get a little more. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I I didn't know it was going to be so intimate. So I'm getting very far away from the mic. (laughs) I was talking about my loud voice, but I usually I'm making jokes about strip clubs. The uh, when I'm in this room with the right, Adam. yes. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, I, I think that my last I, I think that my last two girlfriends it, it were very different choices for me because they were essentially, especially Mia uh, was a very non-judgmental person, and I think that oftentimes I've picked these sort of girlfriends who have been pretty judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of girlfriends who, you know, you're driving home from a party and they kind of would pick apart like I had done this or I'd done that or there's something that I, you know, what had I done wrong? Uh, probably because of the way I related to my mother growing up and her being very controlling and she's a great person, but whatever, that's the way she was. So, uh, so yeah, so I think that usually I always picked women like that. And I think Mia was a great, great, uh, choice for me because she wasn't like that. She made me feel very accepted and very loved. And I'd tell her, you know, some fucked up sexual thing that I had done in the past or some idea I had that I thought was crazy and dark and insane. And, uh, and she just took it as, as being a part of me and she was cool with it. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. So do you think that's something that you're looking for in the next yeah, person? You definitely. And it's going to be hard to find somebody that, that is as non-judgmental as she was. Mm-hmm. And so what is, uh, if you don't mind talking about your marriage, what mm-hmm. happened with with that and and so for anyone who doesn't know, you were married to Jenna Fisher, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Office yes, 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 yes. Um, I think Jenna and I we uh, we got married kind of young, and she was very young, and um, and she we were very both volatile personalities. Um, I think of us both as entertainers in certain ways. Um, were you both already doing what you do now? Y- yes, yes. I was already. Uh, s- becoming successful in my own way and she had not she was struggling and so um that was a part of our relationship in the beginning that i think was very difficult um but i think that it was really a matter of you know jenna was such a dynamic person and i guess i consider myself a dynamic person we were so attracted to each other i don't think we'd ever really met anybody like each other i had just moved to los angeles when i met jenna and she was this amazing person from new york uh, from New York, right. And she had just moved here from St. Louis. And we just really, like, just, it was this 
dynamic situation with and and the thing that attracted us to each other i remember initially was not only the you know our looks and the sexuality and all that but also the fact that we were you know we both were funny mm-hmm. so we were making jokes and it was just very natural this 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 thing that we had and and we fell deeply in love and and it was very crazy and uh and got engaged after 4 months jenna um actually asked me to marry her which was a weird oh, wow. situation and uh and then we we got married and i think that over the years there was just i think there was a lot of growing up that both of us needed to do that we hadn't done i think that both of us were in like the prime of our lives in terms of coming out i i had been in another relationship right actually during the time when i met jenna and so um, I think that both of us had a lot of ourselves that we had never expressed or experienced. How, how old were each of you? Um, I guess Jenna was, you know, early 20s and I was mid to late 20s. Mm-hmm. And then I think the, the other thing is that, and I think this was one of the main things, actually in the end. I remember when, when we were getting divorced and we didn't hire lawyers or anything like that. Everything was very easy to get through. We just sat down and decided what. Each, we each like took. Russell Brand and Katy Perry. Is that what they did? Well, they might have lawyers, but he doesn't want any of her millions. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. though he's entitled to them. Yeah, yeah. Because she made $44 million while they were together. I've yeah. done this news story on the Adam Cole oh, yeah. show. That's well, why I know it. Yeah, we were, we were luckier because it was more equal. But it was uh, – so we, we split up. And I remember us sitting there in the, afterwards when we were with the mediator. And it was like – I think the main thing is I'm just kind of a weirder person than Jenna. I think Jenna has a very weird personality. She has a word, weird sense of humor. But at – the basis of who she is. She loves like sitting at home and, you know, watching TV with whoever she's in a relationship with. She wanted to have children real bad. I was like uncertain about that. Mm. And she just has, she wants to have a normal family life. And I kind of live this life where I, I flit around and I go all over the place. I have a lot of friends and I, I like to do things in an abnormal way. I don't think either of those things is wrong. Those are just what our personalities are, but they're really different right. when it comes to living a life. Right. And I think at the very, you know, at the very core of it, that's all it was. It was just that simple. We just wanted different lives. See, that's interesting because I, I would describe your aesthetic as um, sort of dark and weird yeah. and funny. Um, but I didn't know your lifestyle was that as well. So, like, she would want to sit home and watch TV versus what would be your dream evening. Or not, maybe not dream evening, average evening at home. Well, it, it, you know, I don't, I don't stay at home. I mean, I go out. out. I go out a lot. But, I, you know, I hang out. I go. And also, I travel a lot. I mm-hmm. didn't want to have, you know, I didn't want to have to be like, a, <laughs> I guess, like a, like a modern father, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> so it's like I, di- I didn't really – I like to travel a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I like to travel, go around. I wouldn't mind living someplace else for a little while. I, I And I do live that way because I shoot movies. So I go away and I have to shoot a movie and I'm gone for five months. I'm in another country. Um, and all that is very comfortable to me. That's just the way I am. Um, and to her, that was that was not comfortable. I mean, you know, her being on the office is a really cool thing because it's basically a job. Yeah, where she stable. wakes up, goes to work, shoots the show, comes home. You know, as the years go on, she gets more and more freedom in terms of her hours and what she's able to do. And I think that that was, uh, um, you know, I think that's the basis of what it was. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and she is in, uh, she's married now and has a kid with a guy who's like just the greatest, nicest guy in the world, and I think perfect for Jenna. So yeah, is that hard for women you dated after her knowing who she is? Being like, oh, 
Not that anybody, not that anybody has ever said no. Uh uh-uh. uh. Hmm. No. But uh-uh. maybe you're not getting the full story. That's what you're suggesting. Uh, I I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. I mean, I, listen, I've only you know I had my crazy relationship after Jenna. I had my crazy relationship, which I talked right. about thrice. With the, with the thrice crazy <laughs> relationship. Um, and then I had uh, and then I dated another girl who was a musician, and uh, she was great. And uh, we were together for, you know, a year or almost, you know, around a year. And then I dated Mia after that for uh, for two years. So it's only been those people. I, I don't think Mia doesn't even, like, think about life in that mm-hmm. way. So she she didn't have that problem. And I don't think my girlfriend before that had that problem. Is So now it's been six months. Is this the longest you've been single in a long time? Uh, no, I seem to really, like, I'm I'm trying to be careful because I seem to have this pattern. And my pattern is this. It's like... Uh, I'm in a relationship for a while. Then I get out of the relationship and I'm crazy. Then I have mm-hmm. sex with a lot of people. I do a lot of insane stuff. So I have kind of a, a crazy period. And then I go, oh my God, this is so boring and shallow. I'm so sick of this. And mm-hmm. I want to meet girls that I really like. So I'm going to start dating. And uh, and I'm going to date like really quality women who I have some potential you know, with. And, and then I start dating people. And, like, maybe the first or second person I start going on a date with, I fall in love with, and then I'm in a relationship again for, you know, however many years. And it happens. It's been happening that way since I was 17 years what old. What do you make of that? Is it, like, when you decide the time's right, I think, the time is just right? Or? I, I, think I, I think once I open up myself to the idea of love, to, to letting somebody into my heart, then I'm really an emotional guy. Mm-hmm. And when I don't, when I'm not open to that, I'm, I'm an emotional guy in terms of I really enjoy people and like being with people. Like I don't, when I say I, I, I sleep around, I, I connect with people. I don't not connect with people. It's just the way I am. Um, but I don't commit to people. And when I'm not, when I'm, it's in my head that I'm not going to commit to somebody because I'm not ready to do that, then I just don't. Like it's, I don't get sucked into something because I don't even think about it from the beginning, you know? But it's once I'm open to that concept, then it, it, it happens instantly. Once you're open to committing. Once I'm open to the possibility of committing, I end up committing immediately. And so what I've done this time is, you know, there was a little bit of craziness when I first broke up. But then ever since then, it, it has not been that way. And I think one of the reasons is, is because I've been going through this grieving process that's completely foreign to me that I've never experienced before. So I've been grieving over my past relationship and feeling sad about it and, you know, Doubting and uh, you know going through all of that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, um, but also you know I think I've just I'm I'm not really interested in you know my, because of my age or because of like whatever, but I'm not really interested in, in fucking around. It's not really what I'm looking for. Right. I'm looking to to date people and meet people and you know and, and see what's happening and connect with somebody and um, you know and if it's light and partying that's fine, but not do my my usual thing. And I think I've done it enough frankly in life i mean it does get repetitive yeah so. well i mean i got it we're now talking about different patterns but i definitely got to a point in my life where i'm like i don't need to stay out at a bar till 4 a.m doing stupid things like yeah. i think i've truly had my fill of that and maybe girls reach their fill of acting out girls who do that younger I don't know, than guys do, but... Yeah, you guys have a biological thing that like, right. affects you. I mean, so it's like, I mean, any guy who's, like, dated a lot of women knows that there's a big difference between, that's you know... That's true. So that's why you date exclusively <laughs> 19-year-olds now? It's close to that. What's it's weird close. is that I remember being the person who was the young girl who was dating the older guy. Yeah, yeah. Completely oblivious to the fact that that 
was the situation that I was in. Like, yeah. he is going to continue getting older and he's going to keep dating this kind of age yeah. because that's how much he doesn't. Like, when I was 19, I dated someone who was 27. He was a musician, yeah. really funny. Um, probably he's still dating a 19-year-old somewhere because that's how much he doesn't want to do the life. You know, that's right. how much he he wants to just keep things very light. And I didn't get that at the time. Yeah, yeah, so. that's, yeah. I, I don't want to say that I do do that, but I guess I do to some extent. Oh. So I wasn't actually saying you do that. <laughs> now you're saying that. Something I wanted to say from before, though, because otherwise it, I'll, I'll completely forget it, um, is that what I was saying is that uh, a therapist and my dad had said to me, that when you first meet someone at the beginning of the relationship, that's the best you'll see them. Yeah. Uh, and why I brought that up because – oh, I know. Because you were saying sort of the way that the relationship comes yeah. together. What what it's made of at the beginning, fundamentally, it doesn't really change. It doesn't change, yeah. Yeah. But I think sometimes it's like – you know, sometimes when people meet each other and, and people are subtly cutting each other down, I think that's a big thing that's like – a fucked up relationship. People who are cutting each other down instead of propping each other yeah. up. But and do you it, mean in a banter way though? Because for because I mean I know for me that oftentimes that's flirtatious. No, not you pl- don't not playful. Okay. No, 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 no. Not as like a prelude to like. Right. No, 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 no. I do that all the time. No, no. I mean actually cutting. Okay. Like there's actually a thing where you're cutting each other down, and I, I can see I see it in other people's relationships. So actual all hostility, the time. yeah, like a very undercurrent. And sometimes it does seem playful, mm-hmm. but it's not really. It's yeah. like it, anytime somebody is profiting off of putting themselves above their partner in some way, yeah, that is like the basis of a relationship. And all abusive relationships are like that. I mean, they're all like that, whether it's physically abusive or it's just. You know, and I've been in minorly abusive relationships, not not physically abusive, but ones where you're just kind of like being mean to each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if you're calling each other assholes or whatever, it's just like, I mean, I can't imagine doing that. Like, you know, to my, you know, to the past few people who I've dated, I can't imagine like calling them a name, for example. I just would never do it um, because it's just, it doesn't, it's not how I think about that person. But there was a time where you... You yeah, did, I would but do like, that. like what, or like on what order? Like calling someone an idiot, or what are we talking about? Yeah, I think it's getting in a fight and calling somebody a mm. bitch, or getting in a fight and calling somebody an asshole, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know? Do you tend to fight a lot in relationships? No, I mean, I used to. I used to have quite a temper. Period. You know, I mean, I had, you know, I, I had quite a temper growing up. So it's, I, I would get in fights all the time with friends, girlfriends. I, I really, I mean, honestly, with my last two relationships, I don't think I got into a, you know, we had conflicts mm-hmm. that we'd have to work through, but I, I rarely, rarely ever got into a fight. Something that I try to figure out, and lately I've been trying to figure out, um, which maybe you'll have some insight into this, is in a relationship, how... Like, I don't think you should always share what you're feeling if what you're feeling is something – if the person's doing something that's making you feel this way or whatever. Like, I don't think it should be a 100 percent this thing made me feel this and blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, I have to fight against um, this urge to hold everything in Yeah. because I don't ever want to unfairly malign someone. So if something happens, I pretty much – have to like go home and think about it and figure out am I right to feel this or like I I second guess my own feelings yeah. all the time, so uh, so I don't know. I'm really I, I think I'm pretty good at that now. I actually do think that I'm pretty good at that. Okay, good because like how do you know? Okay, well here's the thing. Like when I this is another thing that was weird about me and Jenna when Jenna and I got together, we had this idea that to be intimate you had to share 
everything with each other. So, like, I would go out, and I remember going once to, like, some, you know, editing room or something like that, and there was this very hot girl there who I, like, felt attracted to, and, you know, I thought she was kind of flirting with me. And I remember it's like, then I have to come home and confess it. Uh. You know, when it's like this confessional mentality in a relationship where... You know, anything I think that's fucked up or any little thing I do that's messed up, I have to tell her constantly, Mm -hmm. confessional, to keep the slate clean. But it's because I believe that I'm a bad person that I have to do that. It's it's from growing up Catholic. I was just going to say. You know, and and I think after a certain while, I learned that, like, there's things that you don't need to tell your partner um, because it hurts them, Mm -hmm. you know? And if I'm attracted to somebody, that's not a bad thing. It's just a part of being in a relationship. In general, she knows that I'm attracted to other people. I don't have to tell her every single time it happens. And it's also like focusing on the negative as opposed to focusing on the positive. There was no, you know, corresponding belief that every time I had a positive thought about Jenna that I had to tell her. Right. It was just every time I had a negative thing, I had to tell her. So it's Right. It's not like that thing of like, if you believe the positive reviews, you have to believe the negative ones too. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just every, everything I had to do so so today i think that i'm much better at learning you know and then i went through other relationships where i would just hold probably too much back Mm -hmm. but today i think i'm pretty good at like am i not telling somebody something because it makes me feel vulnerable and weak or am i not telling them something from some fucked up belief that i have to confess everything right and i think i'm much better at knowing where that line is you know because there's things i'm afraid to tell somebody and that's usually like afraid because of being like sharing myself. Mm -hmm. And if it's about sharing myself, then I I think that I can usually tell that person. But also we're all individuals. So I think it's okay to have, you know, it's not good to have big secrets in relationships. You know, I mean like obviously like cheating and stuff. Every time I've been a part of something like that in any way, it's like destroyed everything instantly. Yeah. But in, in terms of having small, you know, smaller things, it's like not that big of a deal. I mean, I don't have to tell somebody everything. Mm -hmm. Have you been through therapy? Yeah. I've been in therapy forever. How's that going? Can't you tell? <laughs> well, you, well, the reason I asked um, is because you sound self-aware and you sound yeah. like my belief uh, is that everyone can benefit from therapy. Yeah. And I'm actually not in therapy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was actually just discussing this on uh, on this show last week, so I won't go into it too much. But I was in therapy. I'm from California originally. I was in therapy uh, for for a long time when I was in California and then I moved to New York and I lived there for almost 10 years and I had a therapist in New York and when I moved back to California a little over a year ago I just looked up my old California therapist and at the beginning it was really cool like in a nostalgic kind of way but I mean this is someone that I had gone to when I was in college and pretty quickly it just began to feel like maybe not the right fit anymore or I didn't want to put the time in to sort of fill in the gaps and I felt like a lot of I felt like she was relating to me like I was still working on the same stuff that I was working on back then Mm -hmm. when really uh, I think it's different even though maybe it's the same I don't know so uh, but I didn't want to put the time in to find a new therapist so anyway now I just have this show where I talk about what's going on in my head yeah yeah right (laughs) so now this works right now I have this you're unloading it on these poor people that are listening now (laughs) I'm unloading it on the listeners and on the people in my uh, private life yeah yeah However, there are things that come up where all of a sudden, and I've talked about this too, like all of a sudden I'll just start crying because of a certain song, which everyone does that to a degree, especially women, but I can tell it's something, it's something is being struck deep within me. Yeah. And I'm like my emotions, I'm not as aware of what's going on as I would be if I were in therapy. So I should probably get back in therapy. I don't know. But so anyway, what's your therapy experience? I've been in therapy forever. I mean, I really, I started, you know, I got, I got sober. Uh, when I was pretty young, 
And so I went through treatment, and that was probably like really— How bad was it before you got sober? Uh, it was bad, you know, did drug you, addict. Did um, you choose, or did someone suggest it? Well, somebody suggested it, but it was it was after I had hit bottom already. I had hit bottom in a big way and, and, and went to my dad, and my dad's like, I think that— you should, you know, and, and in my brain, I'm like, I'm doing a lot of drugs. I'm doing a lot of cocaine. And and and, and in my brain, it was like, um, I thought I was hitting bottom, like, not because of the drugs. I thought it was just something else. And my dad was like, how much drugs are you doing? And I, I, I was like, so fucked like up at the time. I was, I was honest. And, uh, and then he's like, I think you need to go mm-hmm. to treatment. And he went and he took me into to treatment and I went in. Um, so... So can I ask what was your bottom though? Uh, well, that's really. I mean, it's it's not. It wasn't like a specific. It was a, an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I lost it. I was crazy. Okay. I mean, literally thinking I'm controlling things with my mind, um, and it was from doing a lot, a lot of heavy drugs. Yeah, and um, and I, I was a fucking mess. Um, and so, yeah, no, I hit bottom and, and went to treatment, got sober, um, never relapsed, um, and uh, but started therapy then. I went through therapy for a little while and, uh, you know, uh, then, you know, would go away for a little while, you know, tried therapists occasionally that weren't so good. But then when I moved here to Los Angeles, which is like 12 years ago now, mm-hmm. I started seeing a therapist pretty soon after I moved out here. And I'm, I still see that same therapist today. So I've gone through periods of maybe a year where we haven't seen each other, but I go back and I have to say, I've probably seen her for easily 10 years, you know, of that 12 years. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. There was a time where I used to think that you just go to therapy till you're kind of fixed or where the problem is fixed and then you leave. And then I realized, no, if you can afford it and you're benefiting from yeah. it, there's, it's, it's almost like. I don't know, getting massages or something, well, which is something I don't actually do, but just something where it's just the exercise of going is therapeutic yeah. and it can help your life kind of for a really long time, I think. I find that, it, that I find like there's like five things in my life. And if I really do those five things, I'm happy. And like those five things are when I go to therapy, when I uh, exercise every day, when I, I meditate once a day, so I meditate, um, and then I have to talk to a friend once a day. So I have like three really close friends who, um, who who I who I talk to, you know, and 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 really share with. Mm-hmm. And if I do all those things, then generally I'm happy. Even when I get sad or depressed for a couple of days, it's not this like terrible thing. See, that's really good, and it's really good that it sounds like you you know that and you accept that and you don't fight against it. Because there are certain things which are going to sound really kind of stupid and mundane compared to those things, but like. I can't tell you how much time I spend trying to figure out what time of day to shower right. if I don't have something I have to do. Right. Whereas I suspect if I just woke up and just took a shower and just got on with my day, it would just be easier. But instead, I'm like, well, I don't have to be anywhere right now. So, I'm not gonna... yeah. so then I sit around. I, don't, it, I mean, it's stupid. And also just making decisions is difficult for me often. And then I get upset with my own inability to make a decision. However, if it was ever anything really important, that I could do. It's when I'm sitting there with a menu at a restaurant that I'm like... Yeah, yeah. Could you come back in two minutes? You know, it's yeah. that thing. Yeah, I don't have that. I know every so many people in my life have that issue, that choice, it, that problem with making yeah, choices. Yeah. I don't it, seem to have that thing. That's it's like, good. I don't really care that much. But I do think that, like, the basic things that make people happy in life, like, you know, you have all these self-help people and these books that come out on how to make people happy. But the real truth of it is the things that make people happy are really stupid 
and really simple. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, there is nothing that's going to make a person happier than you. If you exercise 10 minutes a day, it'll make a huge difference in your life if you haven't been doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. But people don't want to hear it. They want to hear, you know, Anthony Robbins and changing your thinking about being a negative statement to a positive statement, something like this. But, right. you know, really go work out you and know, you're going to be happy. it's impossible to be unhappy if you're whistling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's something he would there's say. A, you know, there's a, great, there's a great book that I'll actually plug that people can read called The How of Happiness, which is it's great and it's boring. But what it is, is they actually take people and they, you know, it's a psychologist who's done all these tests on happiness for like the past 20 years. And the first thing, you know, and so it's actually, you know, it's a way of like measuring happiness in people and what really does affect people and how they see things. Mm -hmm. And the first thing they find out is that like, you know, 50% of our happiness is genetic. Like 50% of how happy we are is just uh, in our in our in our biological makeup, mm-hmm. you know, and for all of us, we're different ha- levels of happiness. I think I'm probably a you know averagely happy person, and then ten percent of it is based on external circumstances. You get a new job, you know, uh, it's a nice day out that day, all those types of things. But only ten percent, and then the other forty percent—that's what the book is about—is what you can focus on to change just basically how happy you are. Mm-hmm. And again. But and then they have like you know twenty things that you can do and do them in different ways and it's really specific like how you do it like uh, like but they're all really the stupid things that you read Hallmark cards about like counting your blessings but they've also got it down to such a way that if you count too many blessings you're actually Despair. not happy <laughs> well not, you're not it doesn't really help you it's like a specific amount of stuff right. but it's really it's a it's a fascinating book and it actually has you know um, proof you know. Or, it's actually st- something that comes out of a lot of psychological studies as opposed to Anthony Robbins, who I think is cool, by the way. Mm-hmm. But Anthony Robbins saying, oh, I have this idea and I'm going to change your lives, you know. Right. I'm going to have to check out this book. Yeah, it's really cool. See, I think oftentimes there's too much. I think it's great to to be happy and to try to be happy and it's a goal. But there's such an emphasis in culture on you should be happy all the time and instantly happy yeah. And I just think that that then almost leads to feeling uh, unfulfilled and feeling like there's something wrong in your life that you're not singing all the time. I think that's true. I remember I remember when I went to a, a retreat when I was a kid. I, my, my friend Tim and I went to this. Re- we went to like we had we had to go with our high school to a retreat, and um, the, one of the priests there went around in the circle to all the kids and said, "What is it that you want out of life?" And everybody went around in the circle, and almost every single kid in the room said, I want to be happy. And there was one kid who said, I want to make a lot of money. <laughs> and I think looking back, that kid was far wiser than the rest of the kids. Right. Because I think that really what does make you happy is having a goal it's in money. mind. Yeah, it's money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's having Steve. a goal of something that you want to do, of, you know, having a, you know, specific, putting specific goals in front of yourself as opposed to the amorphous idea of being happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I want to ask you how you got into doing what you do and what you're... I know you're sure. currently working on a Scooby-Doo movie, right? No, 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 no. I've been working were on you... a Scooby-Doo for a long time. Oh, where did I get that? I don't know. I did two Scooby-Doo movies back in uh, whatever, two, that early, you know, I did Scooby-Doo the movie and Scooby-Doo 2. And there's not a Scooby-Doo 3 coming out? No. 
God damn it! Your Wikipedia page. Oh, don't don't trust. Totally. Don't don't trust. Totally. There's a, there's, I have a stalker on Wikipedia. I can't go on Wikipedia anymore. There's some crazy dude. Don't. In I fact, think anybody it says you're still working. Anybody yeah, who's out there who wants to like change my Wikipedia page, please do because there's some crazy dude on Wikipedia that keeps putting on all this nonsense, or at least he did for a long time. Some same dude that was on IMDb and had like three thousand posts about me and Kevin Smith. You know, I shouldn't even acknowledge the guy, but like, yeah, it's it's. I, I can't even go on anything on uh, on the internet other than, you know, news sites that don't have anything to do with right. me. Or, uh, or, you know, I'll do Facebook and Twitter. I don't seem to get much negative stuff on I know, like, Rain Wilson has tons of mean people on Twitter. I don't seem to get that. Um, do you ever get it? Okay, very, very occasionally. But we're talking about one of every, uh, honest, one of every thousand tweets at me at best. Mm-hmm. So, but some of those people, you know, I don't know. Some of those people get... Huge amounts of yeah. criticism. Yeah, they don't. They don't even read the, the, the you know the replies. I know. I, I've heard. I've heard people say they recommend you know just don't read it. It's yeah. like, Well, but it's really hard not to. Yeah, I read them because you know it's like you want to kind of want to get yeah. a sense. of I mean, what it gets people... crazy sometimes when yeah. I can't read all of them. But you know, I, you know, I, I, I want to read them mostly because I have a lot of friends actually on Twitter who who tweet at me about stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so what are you working on now then? I'm, I'm working, throwing out everything I've What I am read. I working on? Uh, I'm working on a video game called Lollipop Chainsaw, which is going to be released in, um, you know, it's going to be released in the next couple months, a few months. Um, we don't have an announced release date yet, even though I know it in my brain. I can't share it with you. So it's a, it's a, it's, it comes, it's me and this guy named Suda51, who's a um, Japanese game designer. We, we got together to create this awesome game called Lollipop Chainsaw. You can see all sorts of trailers for it on the internet. I got a bunch of my actor friends involved. They did the voices. I directed all of the actors in it and wrote the script. And it's it's been a really awesome experience. So I'm doing that. I've got another movie project, which which we're just starting on. And then I have a movie coming out with the Fairley Brothers called Movie 41 oh, cool. in, uh, in the summer. And did you write that, direct it's that? A, it's, a, it's a whole bunch of comedy directors who directed different sections of the movie. And so, uh, you know, Peter Farrelly and Griffin Dunn and Brett Ratner and, and me and a couple of other guys. Mm-hmm. And so um, that comes out in uh, in the summer sometime. Yeah. Cool. And PG porn, is that PG still porn happening? is still – I haven't been shooting. I still have a PG porn that I have to finish editing that I'm going to put up at some point. So I have one more right. PG porn. PG um, porn, which is hilarious. And now for anyone who doesn't know what that is, yeah, how would you dis- – it's like a uh, – PG porn is pornography for people who love everything about porn <laughs> right. except the sex. So <laughs> so let's say you're watching a, a wonderful porn and, you know, you're enjoy- enjoying the set dressing and, you know, the acting and the, the great, you know, funky music and, you know, everything about it, the cinematography. And then all of a sudden they start coming in with this disgusting, filthy, <laughs> pornographic <laughs> – Sex. Right. It totally um, takes you out of the moment. Takes you out of the moment, destroys all of the you know, great aesthetics that they've built up <laughs> until then. And so in PG porn, um, you know, when, when a plumber uh, comes to a woman's door to, to fix a sink, you know, you actually get your, your, your sink fixed, unlike in most porn. So, yeah, PG porn, there's a bunch of episodes on YouTube and on Spike.com. I think we've got like nearly 40 million hits now on PG porn, so it's it's it was a lot of fun. Every episode stars an actual porn star and a mainstream actor like Nathan Fillion or Alan Tudyk or Craig Robinson from The Office, and uh, and it was a it was a whole lot of fun to do. 
Cool. Um, well, I say we take a phone call or two because I see cool. that I think callers are dropping because they've been sitting there for a while. Um, let's go to Will. Will? Hello. Hi, Will. Thanks for calling in. Hi, Allison. You're welcome. So what's going on? Well, there's this girl that I've been friends with for, for a very long time. But, um, you know, I like her more than a friend. It bothers me. Her not knowing, mm-hmm. and I really want to tell her, but I'm concerned about keeping the friendship intact, and also just, like, what she would think. You wanna, hey, you want to, Will, how old are you? I'm 15. Okay, great. So this is, this is good. You can remember this for the rest of your life, Okay. And this is very, very important if you want to have luck with women. Just remember this, that the guys who are very successful with women get rejected an awful lot. And the thing you have to, to, to let go of when you're approaching a woman and telling her your feelings is how she'll react. Like maybe she won't like you, you know, and maybe the next girl after that won't like you either. But then you're going to get one who's going to dig you and it's going to be the most amazing thing ever. So you have to, if you have feelings for somebody, just tell them, what have you got to lose? Somebody decides they don't like you back. That's okay. That's the way of the world. But it's something now that you're 15, you have total control over this. You can start to set up your life right now to do it in such a way that you can have success with girls for the rest of your life. Just start setting it up little by little and you don't have to do it all at once. Just do it in a little way, write her a note or, you know, tell her some night, hey, listen, you know, I, I, you know, I like you as more than a friend. And if she doesn't like you, so what, man? It doesn't mean anything bad about you. Oh, Nate, can I give you a piece of advice real quick? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you were talking about things to do that make you really happy, and you were talking about uh, exercising and meditation. Mm-hmm. I do both those things almost cool. daily. Another thing that really is awesome is eating a ton of fruits and vegetables. It really makes you feel good after you do something like that. I agree with you. I agree. If you eat healthy, it's a, it makes a huge difference in how you, you feel about yourself. Yeah, especially when people binge eat or overeat, that, that really screws up or eat too much flour stuff. So how, so is this one of your really good friends? How well do you know this girl? Uh, we've been friends like six years. No, or like fairly well. i it's really odd because, like, she'll talk to me about problems with other guys and ask me to help, like, with her dilemmas. Do you think she knows that you like her as more than a friend? No, because I think that if she did, she wouldn't, like, talk to me about problems with other guys and then ask me for advice about it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like if... Do you feel like you have to tell her? Yeah, it... it like, it bothers you that she doesn't know. Yeah, because before I'm like, well, she's happy, I'm happy, and all right, but now she's not really happy, and it bothers me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what James said is is good advice and is liberating, this idea that, you know, you should get over how the girl... Thinking about how the girl's going to react. It's more about just putting your feelings out there. Yeah, it's there. a kind of like healthy self-centeredness to think mm-hmm. what really matters is how I feel about her. And listen, that's what girls like too, to, to be completely honest. L- girls love a guy who's able to say, hey, I have, you know, these are my feelings. This is what I think. This is what I want. 
And and it's sort of a way of taking the lead because th- then she's not you're not like looking at her every second to see how she feels about something. That's actually what one of the main things that made it so that I could continue to get closer to my current boyfriend is that from the beginning I knew he liked me, but I didn't feel responsible for his emotions. Right. And I remember talking to my sister about it and saying that I feel no pressure and I don't I don't know if he's just really confident or just really good at playing the game. But and my sister was like, well, it doesn't matter. You know, just that's great. Um, and and I still don't know what it was. I still think that it was a confidence in him that he was going to be fine regardless of how I felt about him. Yeah. You know, and that that does make a guy much more attractive to a girl. Yeah. And remind yourself that, too, Will, that if you if you say how you feel and she doesn't like you back, it's you're going to be OK. You know, and that's one of the things I think that when you when you're you're trying to get girls, you you know, getting rejected is a good thing because you're putting another little, uh, you know, good karma in the bucket. And eventually when that karma bucket of rejection fills up, you're going to hit on something gold. So it's 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 all it's all a good thing. I think you should definitely tell her how you feel. And the thing is, is you're going to be, you know, 25 years old someday and you're either going to look back on this and go, God damn it. Why didn't I tell her how I felt? But if you look back on it and she didn't like you, you're not going to care. You're going to be happy that you did it. Well, thanks. I never thought about that old karma thing. And I think that makes sense. Uh, and Allison, I really like you on the Adam Kroll show. Oh, and thank you. I, oh, you're welcome. And I look forward to hearing you daily for many years to come. Thank you, Will. All right. Well, thank you for calling in. All right. Uh Bye. Bye, Will. Good luck, buddy. Okay, now let's talk about him. Here's the thing. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to necessarily disagree with you while we were talking to him. Because, what, you be, think she doesn't like him because figured, she's talking about other guys? I figured it'd be better if he listens afterwards and then realizes that uh, maybe I'm an asshole. Um, it's This is the thing. I think that because of movies, everyone thinks, if you like someone, just tell them. When in real life, usually, in my experience... When you tell someone, they already knew. That's, so what? So therefore, the fact... I think that's almost always true, too. Yeah. But so what? Well, because sometimes, is... like, so, there's a lot of women out there who are clueless. Like, totally clueless over to whether somebody's interested in them or not. We've made you think that? No, it's, it's true. <laughs> no, I, know. I, I know. It's true. I mean, there are... Not all women are like that. There are very different types of women. Some women are very perceptive to mm-hmm. whether guys like them or don't like them or whatever. And then other girls are just very, they don't even notice it. She may not know. And so maybe she knows. And so what? Do you think this is going to go well for him when he tells her? I, I understand what you're saying. Like you're putting saying... odds on it? Putting odds on it? No, I don't think it's going to go well for him. But I think it's going to be good for him to do it no matter yeah. what. And listen, 15 years old, like girls want to be liked when they're 15 years old. Like think about being 15 and all the guys that could have, well, I don't know mo- what you were like, but you know. When I was 15, if a girl like I got talked into making out with so many girls that I would have never like wanted to make out with because it's just like it's nice to be liked. You yeah. Know? And I was not very aggressive when I was 15, but I was around, you know, aggressive females. And and it was, uh, you know, it's, it's like you're 15 and somebody tells you they like you and they try to make out with you. Usually you go with it. So he's got a good chance of. Uh, He's got a good chance of at least, you know, French kissing with her a little bit. Maybe, but did you watch My So-Called Life? <laughs> I've seen it. It wasn't, it wasn't like my favorite show, so I don't know why I'm referring to it, but I'm thinking of Angela, and I think the guy's name was 
Brian. Like, I just, what I'm imagining is Will and his female friend and their buddies, and they've been buddies forever, and everyone tells her, I think Will likes you, I think Will likes you, and she's like, eh, I don't know. And then he does, and then I just wonder, how is it going to affect the friendship potentially negatively? He doesn't give a shit. He wants, okay. you know what? He's not a rounder he because just wants he's a little actually tang. Her. Yeah. Well, I, he's I, I'm I got I got to agree okay. with James here. He's a rounder because he, he likes her, he likes her yeah. and wants to be dating her. Yeah. And ultimately when he goes to her and, and and you know, I I kind of agree with you that there's a good chance she already knows and isn't uh-huh. going to be interested, but it's going to build his character and he's going to very not immediately. He's going to say, "Yeah, we're still friends," but He's going to look back 18 months down the road, and that's not going to be one of his close friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's if, if, if she rejects him, like right now he's probably wasting all his time and right. energy and sexual energy at the age of 15 right. on that one girl. And if calling she, podcasts. If she cuts him loose. <laughs> Having wonderful experiences with this call screener. <laughs> <laughs> if she cuts him loose, then he's going to have the opportunity yeah. to go meet somebody else that actually will like him. Right. Better. I think so you're right. it works out best for him no matter what if he tells her. Yeah. To be afraid to tell someone how you feel. Probably doesn't help you at all. Because when I think about it, the times that, and actually my sister and I have talked about this with each other, like the times that we have, because both of us would have this pattern of um, being really good friends with a guy that we had feelings for. And it was always like a friendship that was sort of more than a friendship, but less, I used to call them relatio friendships. They were more than a friendship, less than a relationship. Um, But I was obviously getting something emotional out of it, but I wanted something more. But, you know, in retrospect, the guy obviously didn't. And... And then sort of confessing how, and we both separately did this, like confessing how we felt, and it never went where we wanted it to, but ultimately it always sort of uh, made the next phase of our life happen in a better, faster way. Don't you think, do you ever do that thing where you waste time being around some guy who, you know, you have feelings for? Yes, I spent years doing that. But one of the reasons he's around you is because you do have feelings for him and you're pumping up his ego on a consistent basis. I know. Whereas if I were the kind of strong, had I been the kind of stronger female who made my feelings clear right away and, and needed to know whether he felt the same, then that friendship wouldn't have gone on for as long as it did. Yeah. But I but I wanted it to at the time. I yeah. think So you, you were know? enjoying it and he was yeah. enjoying it. I think that's I mean, I think that exists a lot. I mean I can I can I can be in relationships like that where I have feelings for somebody or somebody has feelings for me and I'm just you know, can kind of low level enjoy that attraction. Right. Um but but not really mean to go through with it. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean at the time I felt like there was sort of a safety in I'll continue to get to know this person and I'll hold all my feelings about them inside and I'll uh, over-interpret every little bit of anything they say to me. Um, You know, it was a very young way of approaching relationships as opposed to now as an adult where it's usually much more clear. It's like you kind of know how the person's feeling and... I guess, man. I still do the same things like, you know, trying to figure out how somebody feels. You know, you meet somebody on Facebook who you like... You know, or you meet somebody at a party and then you befriend them on Facebook. Right. You start messaging each other and you don't really know, is like, is this girl interested in me sexually? What makes it worse, too, is being a film director, act to be completely honest, because then you meet people and you're like, does she like, right. like me because I have some degree of fame? Or does she, she want to be in Scooby-Doo? Like, does she, yeah, she want to be in my, She's reading my the new wrong Scooby-Doo stuff, movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has she been reading Wikipedia and <laughs> wants to be Daphne or Velma? But, uh, yeah, I mean, and so it's it's like it, it makes it, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the signals can right. be difficult to d- decipher. 
You know? Do you th- ultimately do you think it's something where by thinking about it you can figure it out, or is it just a going to be a gut feeling? I think it's going to be like it's what how you figure it out is by walking down that road, right? And so that doesn't mean you know necessarily saying, "Hey, I I like you" or "I'm interested in you." Um, but it might just mean more communication, and then over time, then you start to figure out that you like each other little by little. It's it's basically it's basically all a big version of sitting in the movies. All of a sudden, her hand is next to you, and you go, "Oh, what does that mean exactly?" And then your hand goes right. down. And <laughs> then your pinkies are touching, and you're like, "Going, oh, I I think <laughs> that she's into this because our pinkies are right. touching." Right? Because I move my you know, hand away a tiny yeah, bit. Yeah, and then and you she... move your pinky a little <laughs> bit, and then she moves her pinky, and then all of a sudden the pinkies are intertwined. And you're like, "I'm there." And uh, and I think it's it's it, you know it's everything is just that so you know but I I hate it I hate I, I hate to this day trying to figure out if a woman likes me as something more than a friend or she likes me as a friend mm-hmm. you know um, or if she likes me as more than a friend or if she just wants to meet a director um, it's uh, it can be a it can be a hard thing to do and the thing is that there's sort of this whole gray area. In the middle of that, too, though, where like there's certainly guys that I've hung out with where I didn't Im- usually if I'm spending a lot of time with a guy uh, in one of those sort of questionable what where is this going things, I haven't put him in the just friend box at all. Yeah. If I had, it would go differently. Yeah. Usually part of the reason is a question mark, I think, yeah. is because I don't really know, but I'm I'm open to it, but maybe I'm not. There, okay, I could be hanging out with a guy and I for sure want to be naked with yeah. him. That's right. one situation. Right. Or I could be hanging out with a guy and I don't know how I feel, but I think maybe there's something there. I don't know, but oh, I'm open yeah. to it, but I'm and I'm flattered by the attention. Oh, I am like 100% like you. That's like, where most of them I, are. Me too. Like I never like I'm like is this person a friend? Am I right. like you know, I it, you know, if I have to really have that like crazy like attraction for me to be like I'm sure I want to get with that person. But even then, even then, I can have that crazy attraction, and then I start talking to them, and then I go, uh, for instance, if it's and not... And they s- ruin it. Well, it's not that <laughs> they ruin kidding. it. It's just like, then I start to see, like, there's a lot of women who want, you know, I don't know how to explain this. Like, if it's a woman who just wants to have sex, then it's easy, because then you go and you have sex, yeah. and then maybe it turns into a relationship, or maybe it doesn't. I mean, that's unfortunately how I usually work. But if it's somebody who, like, wants to date and takes the steps of, like... You know, you kiss on the second or third date, and then you do this, and then you do that. Well, then it feels like it's such a big commitment to me. Right. From the very beginning, I'm yeah. like, unless I'm absolutely head over heels over somebody, it's unlikely I'm going to, to take those steps. And yet that whole that whole process is supposed to be uh, for you to figure out whether you are head over heels. It's sort right. of backwards, you know? I know. I know. I'm not very... I don't think I'm very adult in those situations. I don't think I... I don't know that anyone is anymore, honestly. Yeah. Like, I was just talking to someone recently, and they were saying, you know, it's funny that it's this is sort of a dating podcast. I don't think I've ever been on a date. Yeah. I mean, this is someone who's been in a lot of relationships, yeah. though. I mean, the whole dating thing has really broken down. Yeah, see, I'm... Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Because now you don't ever ask somebody if they want to date. Right. <laughs> well, first of all, you don't even talk to them on the phone. I don't. No. I, oh, I, I try not to. Oh, me too. It's like yeah. I text. You know, yeah. I text. I do not and like so it's phone. like, you know, you know, you know, let's hang out, for instance. Right. You know? 
it's uh, that's asking on a date, and it doesn't. It's not saying date at all. Yeah. But I am weird in that I did like I started dating at a really early age, like asking women on dates when I was like fifteen and going out on dates and and uh, and I always kind of well, have. I, did you ride your bike or how did this work? We'd go meet at somewhere or do something, and then when I, as soon as I could drive, then I would actually go on dates like a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always had that sort of like. You know, I, I, I still go on dates. You know, I, I date people, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's difficult for me. It's difficult. Do you date multiple women at once? Oh, yeah. See, I, <laughs> <laughs> I have this look on my face like I just smelled something bad. I don't mean to. Um, I was just like, for me, I was never good at dating more than one person at once. And I know, like, any dating book says you really should. That's how mm-hmm. you avoid getting too hung up on any yeah. one person. But I always, let's say, in the mean, the most I ever did was, like, I would date two people at once. And very quickly, there was always one person that I liked a lot more than the other one. Usually that was the one that I felt in my head like I shouldn't be with. Like, that's the one that, like, why can't I make myself like this one? This is the one that's better for me. Right. And then I would try to continue to date both. And then really quickly I just felt um, like a whore or almost. And I wasn't sleeping with them or, like, I was selling myself out because it's like I wasn't being true to my own feelings because I was trying to coerce my feelings in a different direction. Yeah, sex is when it becomes strange because if you're having sex with multiple people, then it, it becomes a, a different situation. Right. Um but uh, yeah, I don't have that. I don't. I don't have that problem. But if I'm like really crazy about somebody, then usually that relationship moves pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, if the other person's interested. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm much more cautious than I used to be too. I'm not willing, you know, because I've seen people who I've been crazy with and stayed with for a long time, and they haven't always ended well. And so I don't. I don't totally trust my passion as I as I used to. Mm-hmm. You know. Let's take another call. Dre's on line two. Let's see if he's there. His friend is getting married soon and already is on a short leash. How to get the soon to be, to be wife. wife to loosen the reins. The friend, the friend wants to get the wife to loosen the reins? Right. So basically uh, we lost him. But this oh, okay. Guy's, sorry about that. <laughs> That's this, okay. This guy's question was that uh, his buddy's getting married in a few weeks and uh, he's already pretty pretty whipped and pretty tied down and can't can't go out and can't have fun anymore and uh he wanted to know how he should get the fiance to loosen the reins with the wedding impending and i wanted to tell him give it up yeah. give it up yeah, yeah. give it up Find you can't friend, but not even possible not even close to possible that's like you know that means you're that's the personality type of your friend who lets himself be put on a short leash. Right. Yeah, find new friends. That's my advice. Yeah. So let's see. Here's the list of things I had written down that I might want to ask you about. Oh. I'm just going to cross out that Scooby-Doo. That went nowhere. Um, let's see. Number superstition. You're superstitious when oh, it comes to numbers. Yeah, yes. And I yeah. think we had... Did okay. I talk about that last time on here? Yes. And... Yeah. Um, also, you were concerned that I was going to be raped in the Tournament of Rosen. Oh, I was. Yeah, yes, yeah, and I yeah, wasn't. Yeah. I you wasn't. Raped. Yeah. So, see, yeah. fears unfounded. But did you meet? Is this where you met your boyfriend? <laughs> no, actually, it's not. Um, although he heard like the contest gearing up or something, and was like, "I wonder if I should." And then he's like, "No, that's the last, <laughs> the wow. last thing I should ever do." Um, he and I were friends when that was starting. Right. I really was genuinely single when that happened. Yeah. But he and I started dating around the time that. The the winner was announced. So it was the whole scam. It's like Tila Tequila on that first one where she had a boyfriend the whole time she was on the show or whatever. 
I mean, that's what I hear. I would prefer to compare myself to someone from The Bachelor, I but they give you a lot like tequila. tequila. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that a lot, but no, it really wasn't because I really was only friends with him, and I'd only just met him during this, the whole tournament of Rosen thing, and um. Uh, well, he's someone where I was friends with him at the beginning, and I didn't know how I felt. I didn't know whether I wanted to be anything more. And we didn't start dating until after the contest. See, okay, <laughs> but I guess on that same uh, – and this this happened on the Adam Carolla show. That's where yeah, we were yeah, talking yeah. about it. But I guess in that same episode, we talked about um, your number superstition. Yeah, yeah, but, so yeah. what is it? Because – and I don't, I don't remember how much we talked about it because I, I am weirdly superstitious with numbers too. Well, I have a – I have a well, – I guess what would be considered minor OCD. Me too. And so, um, and so, I'm remarkably clean and well groomed. That's the good part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, me too. And then, um, but then also, I, I, I have a susceptibility to. Uh, I, I notice numbers all the time, and there's a lot of other little crazy quirks I have that I've had to try to put the reins on pretty big time because some of them have negatively affected my life. Like, what are some of these? Um. Like uh, I need to wear a, a new piece of clothing. If if I'm doing something that is even remotely important, mm-hmm. I I need to wear a new piece of clothing. So something that I've never worn before could be a watch, could be socks, could be underwear, but it has to be new. <laughs> okay. And um, so for instance, like when I make a movie, I wear a new. I have to go buy like enough stuff so that I have wearing something new on set every single day. And what happens if you can't do this? Or uh, I freak out a little bit, but okay. it's it's like I've gotten much better with it. I've I've gotten much better with it. I really have. Um, and, and having you know like you know two hundred fifty pairs of shoes is, is part of it because I've just I've spent way more money on clothes than I should. Right. And I was I recently I recently went to Argentina, and I had this girl like I, she asked me how many pairs of shoes I had, and I told her. And she, like, looked at me like she was so disgusted. Like, she was, like, this middle-class Argentina girl, very pretty. And she was, like, she just found it despicable that there are people out there without anything. And I have 250 pairs of shoes. And it was, like, I felt like, a, you know, I felt like a Melda Marcos. I mean, right. I felt like, I felt like a horrible person. And I went home that night, and I, like, I couldn't believe. So I'm trying to really curtail that. I did wear a new watch today. But it's like... Uh, oh, we're important. Yeah, you're important. <laughs> and I also have a party tonight to go to. So it's oh, like... Oh, not that important. Well, it's both. It's to, okay. to kill two birds with one stone. I'm very happy when I can till, do two things in one day. But it's... So um, wait, the clock resets in the morning because... The, the clock resets whenever I, I put that outfit on, I suppose, yeah. But I mean, is the watch new? What, I don't want Yeah, it, yeah, I bought this watch yesterday. But will it be new when you go to the party tomorrow? Tonight. Tonight, I mean, because you've already worn it here. Yes, tonight. Yeah, I'll wear it tonight. This is, I'm so crazy. I'll wear it tonight. It's, oh, no, 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 no. I'm still got the same outfit. I'm not, I'm going to go directly from here over to oh, okay. this party. So it's like, I'm, I'm so still cool. So the newness cool. is still intact. Still new. The new high However, if I wear broken. this watch tomorrow, it'll have a little. <laughs> Carry on, please. It'll have a little bit of newness. <laughs> so it's better than wearing like, you know, these pants, which I've worn a million times. Right. But it's it's not as good as wearing it like on the first day. Yes. So I'm crazy about that. Okay. I used to be crazy about, and I had to quit doing it, which is a uh, well. So like, the the stupid things we make are you know that I make my personal. I have an assistant, and and I make her do. She knows every little crazy thing about me. <laughs> That's a good assistant. And one of the crazy things is I used to eat Flintstones vitamins every morning, and I fell into some sort of like as an adult. Uh, yeah, for my whole entire life. I do that too. Yeah. And in fact, Adam. More than once has mocked adults who eat chewable vitamins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like them. And I don't. You become addicted to it. Like I eat my breakfast, 
And then I go and I need to have this chewable vitamin. Oh. Well, for me, it's just that the ones that I swallow make me feel nauseated. And so I, oh, no. I looked up online, like, what do you, you know, vitamins, nauseous. And then what they say is, you know, get the children's chewable oh, ones. Well, so. well, you have a good reason. I don't I, have a good yeah. reason. I just like the taste of Flintstones vitamins. Okay. But the, so Favorite flavor? With, with, well, see, that's, the pro, that's where I'm crazy. Oh, okay. So, like, there's orange ones. Yeah. And purple ones. Yeah. And agree. red ones, yeah. right? And so you take them by rant. I, I would take well, there's one a cherry at, and a strawberry, I think. There's, like, two different color reds. None in mine. There's only okay. one red. But uh, but it, it, when you take when you take them out like by, at random, if I had a red one, that meant I was going to have a good day. If I had a purple one, yes. that meant I was going to have an okay day. Yes. And if I had an orange one, that yeah, meant go I was going to have bed. a bad day. Bad day. <laughs> and I did that for ten years. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. where I, I mean, and I and I knew I know logically that's ridiculous and it doesn't make sense. But you start to be- – not start. I believe it. Right. And, um, and so I would have my ass- – I started to have my assistants go out and try to f- do everything they can do to find red chewable vitamins so that every day <laughs> every day is a good day. <laughs> You're gaming like, the system. I'm breaking yeah, out. It's my cheat code. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, like that I, – I, there's all sorts of, you know, things. But I really have gotten better. I really, really have gotten better. See, I have a magic eight ball. Oh, but I nice. have a rule. Yeah. What is it? With myself. No yeah. morbid questions. Because yeah. I will not say, is this plane going to crash? Oh. Not that I take it on the plane, but oh. I mean, like, am I going to die tomorrow? Like, I won't ask it anything yeah. like that. I ha- to protect myself, I had to do that. Because I do a lot of things, not the Flintstone thing, but like, okay, if I make this, this in, you know, I'm going to throw this thing in the wastebasket. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah, I yeah, get yeah. it in, then yeah. this good thing will happen. That, that's, uh, there's a lot of people that have that. That's very similar to like, yeah. yeah, that's very similar to my, to my thing. And yeah. I also, um, but I don't, I, do, I don't play those games with myself. I, I've, I've stopped playing those games. Smart. It's just all things that like, I can't help believing already. Right. Well, I, the last thing I look at before I go to sleep, there's a lot of like if I'm ever reading a magazine, mm-hmm. I will stay up longer than I should because mm-hmm. I don't want that to be the last thing I saw. Yeah. I don't want that to be oh, the last thing weird. I saw. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, now you're judging? <laughs> no, not weird. Like no, it's like weird because I'm like, oh fuck, I don't even want to hear this. Oh, sorry, maybe that's I shouldn't all right even. because now I'm going to think about it. Yeah. Okay, but that's okay. Go ahead and say. Yeah. I mean, as long the as long as it's not anything grisly or like upsetting that I look at, I'm okay. Um, and then I don't like to wake up on a zero or a five. So I will set my alarm for like, you know, 9.01. Right. But initially that started because when I was a kid, my alarm clock, uh, the snooze button was nine minutes. So I would set it for like 9.01, well, 7.01 or 6.01 right. then. And then I'd hit snooze and then I'd wake up on a 10. Uh, but that fell by the wayside yeah, and you just really quickly. stayed with the one but lost yeah, the 10. Yeah, I don't. I zero it, yeah. or five. That's just that's what the man wants yeah, you to yeah. wake up on. Um, and then with the, I don't like to put anything in a microwave for zero or five. Yeah. Either, but I can if I have to. No. But yeah. I like. So I'll. I usually, you know, put in too much time on the microwave, and then I get it out at some like, quote unquote, random number. Yeah. But occasionally I'll hit the stop, and then it'll be like one ten left on there. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh. I, I, I my number thing is like it's everywhere. I see numbers everywhere, and all numbers mean different mon- numbers mean different things, and it's it's a mess. But I, I, again, I've I've gotten I've gotten better with this stuff. I mean, have you just, ever been assigned a phone number you can't live with? Uh, no, no, I have not. Okay, so but how I, does the number thing manifest then? Um, I. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not want to talk about it? You don't, don't have know. to. It's just, you know, 
when I was a kid, I learned everything there was to learn about numerology. You know, okay. numerology, mm-hmm. and it's ridiculous. Um, the, the, the weird thing is I'm a total skeptic. Like, I don't believe in oh, yeah. any no, bullshit. And so it's like, uh, so like certain numbers mean certain things. Certain numbers aren't so good. Certain numbers are better, and they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's hard to deal with. But the weird thing, all of this stuff is like, has to do with like issues of being out of control as a yeah. kid. And even though it seems like it's something we're haunting ourselves with, it's really something where we're like, oh, there's some control over things. Right. Because we feel out of control. And like it's like the people who do the 9-11 conspiracy theories, right? Like those people, like it seems like, oh, everything's so out of control. But what they're really doing is they want to believe that there's some master design yeah. that's causing their lives to suck. And so that be- for them believing in these ridiculous conspiracy theories, it actually is more comforting to them in right. some part of their soul than believing that everything's just totally random or that, you know, terrorists are evil and fucking destroy shit or whatever right. they, they don't want to believe. Right. I think it's a coping mechanism to deal with yeah. trauma. Yeah. The idea of trauma or having already experienced trauma or just anything where all of a sudden you feel tiny and out of control. And you're constantly looking everywhere and seeing connections where there are none. It's, right. That's, that's like a basic thing human beings do. Right. What's on your list? Okay. Number superstitions, baby dolphin. Oh, you posted a photo of a baby dolphin and I retweeted it. Yeah. And it was adorable. Yeah, it's really I, cute. There really is nowhere to go with that. Uh, rescuing a cat. <laughs> yeah, I just rescued a cat mm-hmm. yesterday. I've I've been walking down my – I take my dog for a walk uh, uh, almost every day. And I, I was taking uh, him for a walk for the past couple of days. And I heard like this – like this baby noise in the bushes. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I walked over to the bushes. It's my neighbor's house. And my neighbors have been out of town. And there was this little cat in there, which I thought was a kitten. But now I'm starting to think she's just a midget. Mm-hmm. And – um. And she was just crying. And so for like two days, she was crying. And the second day, I'm like, I thought about taking her in, but I didn't. And I dreamt about her all night. And so yesterday, um, I went over there and I, and I took the cat and, and tricked her into coming into my house. And, and, uh, and now she lives in my house. So I, I think I'm actually minorly allergic to cats. And so... Um, well, actually, some cats I'm crazy allergic mm-hmm. to, but her, I seem to either not be allergic or only minorly, and so I'm waiting to see how that pans out. But I'm basically thinking I'm just going to give her a cool place to hang out and you know live, right. uh, and then and then find a good home for her, hopefully with a friend, so I can you know hang out with her some more. I already really like her, and we we hung out, we watched American Idol last night. And she patted my belly, and laid, laid on my stomach. She doesn't like my dog. She swatted my dog this morning, and right, and your dog yelped, right? My dog yelped. I yeah. read your blog. and my little thing. Yeah, she she yeah she peed on my meditation yes. pillow. It's actually Mia's meditation pillow that, that she left at the house. And um and so she's not uh I don't know where she's doing She's got that. anger issues. She was hiding yeah, she didn't really seem she just she's hiding under the sofa now. She's kinda scared to come out. She's okay when it's just me. Mm-hmm. But my parents are staying with me for this month. And so if my parents are around she doesn't want to come out. If the dog is around she doesn't want to come out. And uh, and uh, I'm having a few friends over tonight, so I'm afraid she's going to be terrified under there with people sitting in the family room. Aww. But she's really cute, and um, and maybe I'll be giving her away at some point. But I doubt I'll be giving her away to some person off Twitter or something, and it'll probably be a friend. And you've named her already, sort of? You know, the weird thing is, like, I don't know why. I called her Emily. Like, even when I saw her, I was calling her Emily to try to get her to come in. Like, it's, you know, some animals just seem to have a name. Yeah. So it seemed to be her name. So I called her Emily. That's what I've been calling her. And uh, I know. It's like, I love her, too. She's so cute. But I'm also a little afraid she's pregnant. 
because I, I saw her come out of the bushes. Kittens having kittens. I know. I saw her come out of the bushes the other day uh, with a man, a man whore cat. And, um, and the is man this whore cat. a cat, cat you know from the neighborhood or you could just tell? He had a look on his face. <laughs> he did. Dudes he, know. He was like, you know, both ashamed and proud, you hmm. know. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm a little afraid. I hope to God she's not pregnant because then I have to find a lot of kitten homes. Yeah. Or, I don't know if you abort kittens or something. Somebody put on my Facebook page that they had their kittens aborted, but it seems scary. I don't know. I, it's weird. I'm actually pro-choice, and yet the idea of kitten abortion seems so sad. I guess it depends on how weird. far along they are. In yeah, the same way that right. I feel about abortion. Well, yeah, when like, does life start, you know? I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, so Rescuing the Cat, PG Porn. Um, ac- I'll read all of them, and then we'll just choose whatever's yeah. good. Accosted as someone dressed as you. Oh. That's in your on your bio oh, or your yeah, Facebook yeah. questions. Oh, uh, that's not a big deal. Yeah, that's uh, I, I, well, second movie I ever did. I guess was this movie called The Specials, and I guess a few times people have come up dressed as me as my character at at, at, at you know conventions and stuff. Oh, yeah, like approached, not accosted. Like they yeah, didn't yeah. they didn't hit you with a sack no, full no, of pennies. No, 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 no. Um, you say on your website frequently asked questions that you like directing more than writing. Yeah, for sure. And then I also, guess you know what I do and I don't. I find directing more fulfilling than writing, but writing can actually be more fun. Directing is sort of hellish. I mean, it's you know, people do not understand what it means to direct a movie. And when you're actually directing a film, there's nothing that's more exhausting uh, or more difficult or takes more is more stressful. I mean, the average Directors Guild of America member lives like 16 years less longer than your average person. Jeez, it's like being president. Right. It kills you. It ages you. Yeah. And, uh, and it's very difficult, but... At the end of the road, like you have pieces of art that you feel proud about because they're what you meant them to be. I mean, right. I think the only movie that I really felt great about after it was done was Dawn of the Dead. And that's because Zack Snyder, who directed that movie, really understood what I was doing with the script. And also he was able to bring his own part to the movie. So there was a real collaboration. Other times I just always felt like it was a milkier version of what I had written. So it was very hard. Hair, white man's fro. I oh. believe on your website you also wow, talk about your hair. Things. I get a lot of questions about my hair. Rusk wired. That's what you use, and you've been using oh. it for years. Yeah, I have been. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been using it forever. Because if you don't use it, your hair sticks up in weird directions my, or something? My hair just sticks up. Like, people never believe this yeah. until... Yeah, I'm dubious. Yeah, until somebody sleeps with me, and then they know my hair sticks and up. They know your follicular <laughs> secrets. It's like it, it. my hair just sticks up, up to a certain length. It'll get longer and start right. to fall. But up to a certain length, it just sticks up like crazy. And um, and that's why I call it the white man's throat, just because it's totally straight right. hair that sticks up. It's Asian hair, actually. I have Asian hair. And um, Do you have Asian in you? No, no, no. It's just I have their hair. Oh. You know? Well, I've, you're lucky because I get my hair Japanese straightened. To, really? like to Yeah. I try yeah. to approximate Asian hair. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, I don't I don't try to be have Asian hair. It's just really straight. Right. And so when I, I, I put Russ Squired in there, be, oh, my God. I can't believe I'm talking about this on a radio show. Although I've been asked, I have been asked this question literally at least a hundred times. Um, I put it in there to make it like the spikes slightly thicker, so it's just not like this round porcupine head. That right, I have, right. You know, um, and maybe make give it more texture or something. But my hair sticks up no matter what. I do not make it stick up. Okay, and then also Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's one of my favorite movies. That's probably my favorite film. 
that and you know there's a few others that I really love. Mm-hmm. I would say the movie After Hours is one of my favorites. Taxi Driver, the the two Godfather movies, Once Upon a Time in the West, but definitely of recent films, Once Upon Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is is my favorite movie. That scene near the end, and I'm going to butcher it, but where um where I haven't seen it in a while, but where he wants her. Okay, you can fill in the blanks because now I'm totally fucking it up. Um, where he's like, she's like, what? And he's like, just wait. You know, and when um, he wants her to wait and then she says, what? And it's like, well, and he just wants her to wait. Though, like, He just wants things to slow down. And he, it's not that he has something specific to say. Yeah, I don't... You I, don't know this? I know, because no. I, I described it so poorly. No, well, it's, it's also... I'm not one of these movie guys who, like, can go around and, like, say every single bit of dialogue. Right. I have tons of friends like that, you know? Yeah, I'm no, it's not, not like the, that guy. And I, I'm, I'm obviously not either, because it's not the dialogue. I think it's I've more seen just eternal, the emotional yeah. part of that. For, I, for some reason, that resonated so deeply with me, that whole, like, just... What it meant to me was just wanting to sort of just freeze a moment and not... Part yeah. just yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that the, the scene that always resonates with me from that film is the scene where they're walking around the house with the cassettes playing mm-hmm. of the things that they would say about each other. Yes. And that Ugh. and that to me was so much like being in a relationship where they're these two innocent people who haven't been marred by these beliefs or whatever, these two innocent souls that are walking around having this conversation, but everything they're doing is being drowned out by these stories that they've built up about each other and yeah. these resentments that they've built up about each other over however many years. And I found that really like... Uh, that scene's just amazing. But the whole movie, technically the movie's amazing. It's really a beautiful film. Yeah, yeah. Well, James Gunn, thank you so much for thank stopping you. by and letting us pick your brain. This and is the weirdest podcast I ever did. I, I actually I talked know. about... Yeah. You're, I'm you're, always a little afraid. I, I leave these podcasts. I got really afraid last time with Adam talking about the rape stuff. Oh, right. But it's like I always get afraid leaving that, oh my God, I overstepped my boundaries so bad. I'm going to get in so much trouble by some people from my past. So anyway, I, I don't think, I actually don't, I mean, I even though you talked about a lot of personal stuff here, I don't think you said anything that anyone could turn around and be yeah. upset about. Yeah. I don't think so. But you know, I, I'm very open about things and not everybody is. So we'll, hopefully it's okay. I feel like now if you show up somewhere though and you're not wearing something new, yeah. people are going to feel like, why was, why, was, why, why didn't this warrant that kind of don't neurotic you thing? Love me. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, um, and for rating this show highly. If you listened and enjoyed it, please rate it highly. If you, if you didn't like it, then you know what? You don't need to rate it. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F, which is Allison Rosen's new best friend. It is not Aryan boyfriend. You guys are really clever thinking that it's that. Everyone thinks that's what it is, yeah. but it's not. No. That's weird. That's yeah. not what this show's about. That would about. be terrible. That would be, be awful, no. offensive. Yeah. You follow you, me at, at James I Gunn. I was just going to say. Yeah. Yes, and you can go to your website, which is jamesgunn.com. JamesGunn.com. And then, you know what I've been doing, like having a heck of a lot of people do is subscribe to my uh, Facebook you, Which is like Facebook.com slash Jay Gunn. Okay. Know? And that's and that's been real fun because it's like Twitter, but you, you know, I get it more in depth. I answer questions on there. People comment. It's uh, I found f- the new Facebook stuff is actually really quite cool. So, you know, check out Facebook and subscribe to me on there. I've reached my friend limit, but it doesn't make any difference. You subscribe to somebody, you get all the same stuff as you do if you, you know. 
hmm, maybe I should update my whatevers because whenever I go to Facebook, it's like, look at our new blah, blah, blah. And then I just hit cl- I X out of it because oh. I don't want to go to the new timeline-y thing. Maybe no, I should. No. You know, the timeline's okay, but but I you know, I think uh I think the new Facebook stuff is actually quite good. So right. for me it's been great because I used to have a fan page and then the, this page right. and I know I have it. three pages. Right. And so I just it's uh, now I just do everything from the one page and okay. it makes it a lot easier. Anything else we should know about you or that you want to plug or that we should be on l- mm. look out for? Lollipop chainsaw in uh you know, next few months and then uh movie movie uh movie what the hell's the name of that movie? Movie 41 this summer. And uh that's about it. How's 41 in terms of numbers? Uh, it's not very good, actually, to be quite honest. I'm not too happy with that number, but, you know, I'll live with it. Just wear a lot of new stuff that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Thank you. For, this is fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening, you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>